Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. I'm your host this morning, Brandon Clark, and I am so glad to be with you. We have a great show coming your way. But before we get any further, let's just start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I praise and thank you for all you have given me. Please cover me with the protective, precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, and increase your Holy Spirit in me with his gifts of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, hunger for prayer, and discernment to help me know your will and surrender to it more completely. Father, please heal my negative emotions and any wounds in my heart and spirit. Send the sword of your Holy Spirit to sever and break all spells, curses, hexes, voodoo, and all negative genetic, intergenerational, and addictive material, past, present, or to come, known or unknown, against me, my relationships and family, finances, possessions, and ministry. Father, I forgive and ask for forgiveness for my sins and failings, and ask that my whole person body and mind, heart and will, soul and spirit, memory and emotions, attitudes and values be cleansed, renewed, and protected by the most precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through the name, power, blood, and authority of Jesus Christ, I bind and break the power and effect in and around me of any and all evil spirits who are trying to harm me in any way. I command these spirits and their companion spirits in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to leave me peacefully and quietly. Jesus, I thank you for healing the effects of these spirits in and around me. Dear Holy Spirit, please fill any void in me with your overflowing great love. All this, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by the guidance of your Holy Spirit, Immaculate Heart of Mary, Spouse of the Holy Spirit, pray for me and with me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's one of my favorite prayers, so I'm glad to pray it every time I host I think it just starts the morning out right. So thank you again for being with us this morning on Real Presence Live. As I mentioned, we have a very full and awesome show for you. We're going to be talking about a conversion story, the powerful work of FOCUS, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. We're going to be talking about raising our children and having the materials and the resources that we need to raise our children up in the faith. We'll talk about men's ministry, something that's really close to my heart personally. And we will also continue our discussion on extraterrestrials. So last time we had a conversation about what the church believes about alien life forms and extraterrestrials. And unfortunately, we didn't get to the end of that. So we'll finish that conversation and uh, talk about E.T. and War of the Worlds and all that fun stuff. So stay tuned. We've got that great show coming your way. Now we are going to jump right in. We have a good friend of mine, Jonathan Spade, who is, uh, well, first of all, welcome, Jonathan. Brandon, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I didn't know I was talking to like a famous person now, a huge star. I would not say that. (laughs) 
Jonathan was recently featured on The Journey Home, which if you are not aware of that, it's a show where uh, people come on and share their conversion stories or reversion stories, and uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, and they've had some great guests, including now Jonathan. So what was that experience like? Let's just go there. It was a lot of fun. I, it was nothing like I've done before. I've, you know, I'm used to sharing my story. I'm a missionary with focus. And so as a missionary, I'm always sharing my story. Yeah. Normally it's the five minute version and <laughs> the elevator well, pitch. Exactly. The elevator <laughs> pitch of, you know, what God's done in my life. And so to sit down with John Mark Rodi and to share my story for an hour was, it was just a joy. And it, it was a great opportunity for me to reflect and think more deeply about how the Lord has worked in my life and how to be able to share that with others. And so, yeah, it was, uh, I had a great time. That's wonderful. And this was not in Alabama. You mentioned it was in near Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, the, coming, the, the Journey Home is its own apostolate that works with you know, Protestants who are discerning into the Catholic Church. They work with a lot of Protestant pastors. Uh, and so they broadcast through EWTN, but they're their own apostolate based out of uh, the Columbus, Ohio area. I can't remember the, the exact town, but it's a pretty small town in Ohio. So how did this all come together? Were you recommended? Did they call you? Like, what was the story behind that? Yeah, I have a great friend uh, and supporter of my work who had asked me, have you ever thought about going on the journey home? And I was like, well, to be honest, no, I have not thought about that. Uh, and so he was like, well, let me look into it and see if I can make that happen. And I said, okay. Uh, I think, you know, I thought that he had a connection with the journey home. I'm not sure that he did. I think he just thought that, hey, this would be really awesome for you to go on and share your story. So he reached out to the network uh, and they reached out to me and they first asked me to do a written story. And at that time, I just uh, couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And so we kept going back and forth through email for probably two years until oh, wow. finally, uh, we, were, we were supposed to do it back in November, almost a year ago. And that got canceled because of bad weather. Uh, and then we rescheduled for March. And so finally we were able to record in March and then it aired uh, at the end of July. Ah, that's, that's neat. Yeah. And you had a lot of people calling you, I'm sure saying, Hey, you're the guy. <laughs> yes. It was, uh, it, I'd got just a, a small glimpse of what it would be like to be famous for people that I had no idea who they were, who just saw me on the program would reach out. They, they would call focus or they'd find me on Facebook and send me a message and ask me questions about the faith. And uh, and I felt very unworthy of that, but very grateful and humbled at the same time. Ah, that's fabulous. So normally when we have an interview, we start out by talking about yourself, telling a little bit about yourself, and then we get into the topic. But uh, this particular interview is talking about yourself and, and your conversion story. So as I understand, you weren't raised Catholic. So let's just talk a little bit about what it was like growing up. Yeah, I grew up in the Minneapolis area uh, to a loving mother and father. Uh, I am one of seven, and so I've got six brothers, and uh, or five brothers and one sister. I'm the third oldest, and my mom homeschooled us. Okay. So I remember growing up, every day at like 9 a.m., we would start our school day, and we would start with uh, uh, hymns and reading from the Bible, and I grew up knowing my faith. We'd listen to Adventures of, of, uh, of Odyssey and all these different things, um, and I was very involved. I knew all the stories, and... In high school, I was involved. Uh, I was going on mission trips and mm. uh, leading praise and worship. And I think that's important because the more that I've reflected on it and working with college students over the past you know, 11 or so years, I think I've seen and met a lot of parents who are very saddened when their child leaves the faith uh, and often question what, what it is that they did. Yeah. 
And for me, you know, uh, kind of spoiler alert, and we'll get into it. Like I did fall away from my faith, but I would say like, when I think back on my story, I wouldn't say that my parents did anything wrong. You know, yeah. uh, they did many things, right. Uh, most things, right. And St. Augustine has this great quote. He says that it's not with feet or traveling far distances that we journey from God nor come back home. And I think that was true in, in my life. Uh, even though I grew up knowing the faith, talking about the faith with my family, praying and knowing all this, the stories of scripture. And even, you know, as a Protestant, like we kind of have our, we wouldn't call them saints, but we have those heroes of the faith that we look up to great missionaries. Yep. I remember, I can't, I can't remember what the series was, but I can, I can see it in my mind. Like it's like these white books and there's just like a set of maybe 20 of them. And they just tell the stories of these great like Protestant missionaries. Mm. So in some ways kind of our own canon of saints, if you will, listen, I knew the, all their stories. Uh, but High school, maybe I'm trying to think, probably like my junior year or so, I started going to uh, PSEO, post-secondary education opportunity. So I was yep. going to kind of full-time college and uh, working a lot, a couple jobs, part-time jobs, and I got really busy. And that was maybe like the one of the first things is I just got really busy. Yeah. And so I stopped getting involved or stopped being involved as much with my church. And then the other thing that happened is I started dating. And the, uh, the girlfriend at the time was not very, uh, she was Christian, but not very into her faith either. We were both kind of more in, uh, in busy, focused on school, focused on work. Yeah. Uh, and so it's these small choices that began to kind of mark my journey away from God. I'd say like growing up as well, um, you know, I struggled with many different things uh, and I think I had, you know, I had a lot of experiences of like encountering God. And mm -hmm. yet at the same time, um, I think m my experience and my sin had was, it made me wonder like if God was really there, if he was going, if he could do anything about, you know, what was going on in my life. And mm -hmm. if, he, if there, if there was re any real answer or solution to the, the problem of sin that I was experiencing because it didn't feel like it. And then the ways of the world just felt a lot more fun, you yeah. know? Uh, and so end of high school, going into college at the University of Minnesota in Duluth, that was kind of where I was. I started just going into the party lifestyle, um, stopped going to church and, you know, find myself sophomore year. Basically, I wouldn't have used the term, but agnostic mm -hmm. where, yeah, God's probably real but it doesn't seem relevant to my life and you can't know who it is or you know, I don't know if it's God or not. And so I'm just gonna do what feels good. I'm gonna live the party lifestyle and uh, just have fun because that seems to be uh, you know, what's fulfilling me at the time, which yeah. of course it wasn't really, right. but that's the, it was a convenient story to tell myself. Yeah, what's interesting about hitting that point, cause I've been there myself, uh, it happened junior year of high school, what I didn't realize, but what was actually reality was that it served as a tipping point, right? I could either continue to go down that road and be terribly unhappy and get into who knows what, or at a certain point, it would lead to a level of, you know, just kind of feeling like you're face flat, you're, like you're, you're flat out on the floor and uh, wondering what happened. So what was that as you continued that, that party lifestyle, as you continued to get further and further away what was the moment that kind of shook things up in your life? 
I would say my sophomore year, I had a couple of experiences where party experiences that were uh, left me feeling not so good to put it, you know, uh, mildly that really started to make me realize like, this is not actually fulfilling, you know? Mm. Uh, and I would come home from these parties and I would just realize like, I'm actually very alone. Yeah. I know all these people I see, you know, I party with all these people over the weekend and then I see them in the halls of school during the week. And I know tons of people, but none of them actually know me. Mm. Uh, and I would come home and feel incredibly alone. And I had a couple of bad experiences, like I said, and I kind of hit this rock at, at one particular experience. I hit kind of rock bottom, I would say at that time in my life. And I remember kind of praying and calling out and saying, God, if you're real, you just have to show me like, I, I need, I need you, you know, uh, something along those lines. And it was that cry of desperation that yeah. I know that God heard and answered. So shortly after that, you know, maybe sometime in, in that week or the week after, it wasn't quite the next day. Yeah. Uh, the, a good friend of mine, Nicole, she invited me to go to uh, a focus conference. Every Christmas break, we host a big conference. At that time, it was in St. Paul, Minnesota. And so really close. And yep. uh, I kind of liked Nicole, you know? And so I was like, hey, yeah, that sounds good. Like, we'll go to this conference. And, um, you know, looking back on it, I think it was only because I hit rock bottom that I would that I said yes to that because I wasn't Catholic and I wasn't practicing my Christian Protestant upbringing. And so I, I the only reason that I would have said yes to that is because I had hit that rock bottom. And yeah. there's that this is like the incredible thing about God's mercy is that he can draw good even from our sin. Uh, he of course he would desire and wish that we wouldn't sin, but even in the midst of our sin, God can draw good from that. And I think that's what was going on in my own interior experience of, of hitting rock bottom is that God saw that and desired to use and draw good from that in his mercy. Yeah. It's interesting that a lot of people tend to make a lifestyle change or a life change when they're in crisis, when it seems like there is nowhere else to turn. And so it's amazing how God just can come in and the Holy Spirit can, can break through that shell that was that that had been built there over you know several months years whatever the case may be but like there there's that there there still is a level of openness right to to receiving the truth and like you said and we got to head to a break here and we could pick this up but i think there was just a deep desire in yourself to be known loved and cared for by god right and you were seeking that in other people as well but not maybe really connecting the dots of needing that. So let's let's pick that up. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll be right back after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. 
What if you could earn a degree that offers the best of both worlds, an MBA and a master's degree in philosophy? The University of Mary offers one degree that combines world-class business training with a careful study of life's deepest questions through their combined MBA, MA, and philosophy program. By earning one degree in both philosophy and business online, you will rigorously engage the big ideas needed to address professional challenges. Visit catholicprofessional.life. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. In this world of suffering and pain today, we've all experienced some kind of loss, especially the death of a loved one. There's an opportunity for us to still help them, however, and I invite you to please visit our website, suicideandhope.com. If you have lost someone tragically, please enter their name. You do not have to put their full name. You can put initials or a first name or even a nickname. But I will personally pray for each and every person whose name is entered onto that website in memorial. I will also say a mass every month for these people, imploring God's mercy upon the salvation of their soul. So there is no obligation, there is no cost. All we ask is that you bring your heart and the love that you have for your loved one to our site, list them there, and allow us to pray for them. Again, suicideandhope.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Thanks for staying with us on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Real Presence Live, and I'm your host this morning, Brandon Clark, continuing conversation with Jonathan Spade. Now, when we had left off Jonathan, we were talking about just that fulfillment of the longing that you had and being known by others, but then ultimately being known by God. Can you just talk a little bit about that? St. Augustine is my favorite saint, and we just celebrated his feast day this week. And my favorite quote from him is that our hearts are made for you, O Lord, and they're restless until they rest in you. Mm. So within our hearts, we have a, an, an innate God-given desire for him. Yep. And we try and fill that desire with so many different things. But ultimately in my life, I found those things to be unfulfilling. Um, and so, yes, I had this great longing for God, although I wouldn't have articulated as that. I can, in retrospect, look back and say, that's what I was longing for. Mm. And that's basically, you know, I, I cried out and said, God, like, if you're real, you have to show me. Uh, and then I got invited to this conference and it's a Catholic conference. So leading up to it, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to this Catholic conference and I don't <laughs> believe anything that Catholics believe. What am I going to do? Yeah. So I went to my mom and I said, mom, um, you know, I'd like to grow my faith. Do you have any suggest, uh, suggestions? And she gave me this book by A.W. Tozer, Protestant pastor in the 1950s, uh, called The Pursuit of God. And in that book, the very first paragraph was like a direct answer to kind of my prayer uh, in this verse that I had heard, Jeremiah 29, 13, which, which says, mm -hmm. when you look for me with your whole heart, you will find me. So I said, God, I'm going to look for you. And then this first paragraph of the book says, uh, the only reason man has the capacity to look for God is because God is looking for man. Mm. And it was in that moment where I had this profound encounter with God's presence. I just knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, like God is real. I could, I, like it was, it was a presence. It's the only way that I can really describe it is this profound presence that was with me in the room. Uh, and I was moved to, to, to the grace of tears and the grace of conversion in that yeah. moment to recognize that God was real and that he loved me and that he had a plan for my life and that this desire for happiness 
uh, was a desire for him. This restlessness was a desire for him and that my heart would, uh, was, would be, I would find rest in him. So it's interesting how you recognize that our response to God is actually, is, is a response, right? So, yes. so us responding to God is actually a response to his calling. And it's amazing how then he actually plays that out in a very visible way by using others. So Nicole, uh, who, spoiler alert, plays a, a very important role in your life, was that visible way to see God reaching out to you and you being able to respond. Can you, can you talk about that? Yeah. Again, I, I, the God is really like, he's like the ultimate chess player. <laughs> he sees everything and he knows like uh, exactly what it is that's going to move our hearts to, to the point of conversion. And so Nicole and I met in class. And at that time though, I wasn't, uh, when we first met, I was not seeking the Lord at all. I was just yeah. living the party lifestyle. She'd been through her conversion. And so um, we just became really good friends, which I think was perfect. It was exactly how it should have been. And she, she was the one in that friendship, uh, probably one of the first Catholics that I really met, her and her friend, Anne. And they would invite me to the Newman Center. I wasn't interested. And I started to ask questions about the faith and kind of learned all these things. And I was like, eh, Catholicism sounds weird. But again, I hit that rock bottom and she was there for me. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that friendship that was there, like I trusted her and trusted that God was working through her. So after my conversion, so anyway, I have this encounter um, and this was right before the conference. When I go on the conference, it's actually uh, really interesting because the first thing that we did was mass and I was very unfamiliar with mass and it yeah. was uncomfortable and strange to me. But at that time, Dr. Ted, Ted Shree was given his talk on the, on the biblical root of the mass. And so as a Protestant, that was really appealing to me to actually learn that Catholicism is based on scripture. And that was the thing that like opened my heart to God's grace in terms of the Catholic church. I was already encountered him and wanted to give my heart to him and follow the Lord. But now this was like the second part of that conversion um, where I recognized that Catholicism was scriptural. And at the closing mass of the conference, I just heard God speaking to me kind of around the time during the consecration of the Eucharist that if I really wanted to find him, if I wanted to find a rest for my soul, it would be within the Catholic church. And it was a calling of the heart that my intellect had to wrestle with. So coming from that conference, two things happened. Number one, uh, I started dating Nicole. <laughs> so I was like, wow, she's really pretty and she's Catholic and she's just amazing and she's helping me grow so much and uh, I should probably date her. <laughs> so we started dating. And then number two, I started going to RCIA mm -hmm. and learning uh, the, my faith. Um, and yeah, I just fell in love with the church and I recognized uh, and had to work through all these different things. But ultimately that April, so very fast conversion. Yeah. Uh, from January to April, uh, I was received into the church. That was back in 2011. So it's been, yeah, 12 years of Catholic, which has been awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Nicole and I got married back in 2012. So we just celebrated 11 years. Congratulations. Uh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Four beautiful children. Four wonderful, beautiful children. Yeah. Awesome. Now I want to we have about six minutes left and I've got a few things I want to try to get to here. So we'll see how this goes. So you work for Focus Fellowship of Catholic University students. So the missionary heart had been laid on your heart at what point? Pretty much right around the point of my conversion. It was so dramatic that I knew I wanted to share the gospel with others. And that's what I started doing. Um, I started sharing the gospel with people investing in them, started Bible study, 
And then as we were graduating, we were kind of discerning where God was calling us, whether we're going to pursue graduate degrees or um, do this thing called focus. Yeah. Ultimately, we felt God was calling us to be a missionary. So you discern missionary, being a missionary, you weren't, were you married at that point? We were engaged. You engaged, okay. So uh, every year, Focus does our summer training. We train all of our missionaries in the summer before we send them to campus. So we went to our first summer training. We were engaged, and then we went and we fundraised. And uh, so if you don't know, all of missionaries in Focus have to fundraise everything in order to do their mission. So we did that, and then we got married and went to campus. So this is a little different because usually when you become a first year focused missionary, there's a dating fast. That's correct. So how did that, uh, you know, what was that like knowing that you were going to be married on campus for your first year? Yeah. I mean, it was awesome to be honest. Uh, it's, I didn't, everything happened in my life so fast you know, my conversion, dating and getting engaged in Nicole, joining focus. And my heart was just like on fire. I just said like, I want more of you Lord. And so vocation is our primary path to holiness. So yeah. I'm very blessed to say that we discerned our vocation early in life and we're able to enter into that. Um, and I think it was a huge blessing to students as well, because so many young people come from broken families and to yeah. be able to be that witness of certainly um, not a perfect Catholic couple, but a, a one that was striving for holiness uh, and on mission together, I think was really beneficial to many students. And, and that was something for my entire time on campus that we really tried to, to be there uh, and to be good role models and to invite people into our family and our marriage. So I'm curious as a husband and then father, was there ever a concern in your heart about being able to provide for your family as a missionary? Yes. Yeah, at the same time, I would say I, I, God is a really big God. Yes. And I knew that he is my father and everything ultimately is a gift from him. And so I would say, yes, I definitely struggled in the fundraising aspect of it because that is a, a, a very challenging thing. Yet at the same time, I trusted that God would provide. If he was calling me to mission, that he would provide everything for us in order to be on mission. And fundraising has become, honestly, one of the things that I've, I love the most about the mission because it's enabled me to meet with so many amazing people and to share about my story and the work of Focus as well as to get to know them, hear their story, and be able to hopefully offer some hope to them. Um, because in many ways, if you're just in your parish uh, looking around you, it, you might not see a lot of hope. Um, yeah. And But the church is is alive. And the, the young people are, are coming to the church on college campuses because of great Newman centers and priests and focus uh, and many other great apostolates as well. And so, the, yeah, there's a lot of hope. And so <laughs> I, I see that part of my role as a missionary and, and fundraising is that role to, to share hope with others, to say, this is what God is doing in the church today. That's a beautiful way to look at it because it's a unique calling. I can name on one hand the number of people I know who enjoy fundraising, <laughs> raising money. So just talk about your role now with Focus and how God is calling you to be able to help future missionaries continue to carry out the work. Yeah. Uh, I said yes to Focus in the first place because I wanted to be on the front lines of the new evangelization. And Focus is ultimately a response to the Pope's uh, previous Pope's call for a new evangelization. And my desire to move into fundraising was the same as I want to help missionaries 
receive the support that they need to go and bring the gospel to wherever God is calling them. Because it can be a little scary, you know, yes. knowing you have to raise your salary. Absolutely. It's probably one of the main reasons that missionaries or that people don't say yes to focus. Um, and certainly up there in terms of the reason that missionaries don't stay on with focus. Um, and so it's very important. If we are going to bring the gospel to wherever it's needed, we're, we're international now uh, in five different countries. We're sending missionaries to parishes as well. Uh, and so if we're going to bring the gospel to wherever uh, it needs to go, then we need missionaries who are fully funded with people who are praying and supporting them in that mission to have the freedom to share the gospel. And that's my desire. And that's part the, the role that I get to have now with my team is that we get to, to train and support our missionaries in their fundraising, in the onboarding and the summer training process, work with the, our leadership structure to make sure that the right uh, kind of metrics and accountability is in place so that our missionaries can be fully funded so that they can go to the gospel without hindrance and share, or they can go to campus without hindrance or perish without hindrance to share the gospel with those who need it most. What I love about Focus, and this is what I learned in college when I was at North Dakota State University and going through the Newman Center there and getting involved in Focus, <clears throat> Father James Cheney made it very clear that one of the biggest mission fields we have is the college campus. He said 90% of kids who are going to walk away from their faith walk away in college. Yes. And so while there are many great opportunities to go on mission trips around the world, I think it can often be forgotten that we have a great mission field right among us in a very you know volatile time often trying to figure out where the Lord is calling us, what we're going to do, are we going to be married, you know, whatever the case may be. So I really appreciate Focus's ability to reach out, to get on those campuses and really just provide an opportunity for, for people who maybe didn't know their faith at all before they came to college or who had a faith but are kind of wavering to, and then also for those who just want to continue on in the strength of their faith. Like it, it serves all of those different folks to be able to come out of college with a solid foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so needed today. Our culture is obsessed with being yourself and finding authenticity. But when, what happens in my story is that you realize that you are yourself and that you're messed up and you got this problem of sin. And the only antidote to the problem of sin is God's mercy. And that's what we're trying to share as focused missionaries is mm. the mercy of God to students who need authenticity. Beautiful. Jonathan, thank you so much for being on and sharing your story. Thank you for the work that you continue to do to help serve the mission fields, as I mentioned, on the colleges and universities across the country. Thank you, Brandon. All right, that is all for this segment, but stay with us when we return from the break. We're going to be talking about raising our kids Catholic and the resources and materials that are available to do that, to make that job a little easier. Stay with us. Real Presence Live will continue right after this. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 